And last time she didn't want to be there. It was her sister that wanted to be there. And she kind of just sat back and watched, didn't smile, didn't give a lot. And this time she kind of, she, she kind of watched us from afar a little bit. And then she got the confidence to come over and she brought her cousin with her. And so we talked to her cousin while she had a chat with Jeremy at the front of the store. And then we finished with him and Jeremy brings her in and said, can you guys just talk with, with this girl? And she really likes quotes. And so Jeremy had given her a couple of quotes and one of them had really stood out to her and so she was sharing about that and had written them on a piece of paper for her because she wanted to take them away with her. And so we're hearing a little bit about her story. She said that she lives um, with a family of 10 kids. She's the oldest at 19. She moved there two years ago because her dad died and her dad was in the gangs quite high up. And so she lived and experienced the gang life and the negativity and all of that and where she is now there's so much negativity spoken there's no positive words there's no encouragement and so we just started encouraging her just speaking into her situation the younger kids she doesn't want to see them go down that path of into the gangs but they want to do that. They want to go out and party. They want to get on Facebook and, and do everything that all their friends are doing. That's the cool thing to do. and That's what they want to get into. But she's like, I don't want that for them. So we were able, you know, God gave us words to give to her on how she can talk to her younger cousins and siblings, what she can do to speak positivity into their life. He gave us everything that she needed. He gave us more quotes for her. And at the end, she just said, I've never, I've never had words like this said to me, ever, ever. Do you know, I'm coming back in two weeks. I'll be back again. And we said, you know, we've got your back. You need encouragement? Come back. We've got your back. We're here for you. You need a boost, you need an encouragement because you're not getting it at home, come back. We've got your back. And she was so encouraged. And I really felt at the end to give her a big hug. And I said, can I hug you? And you know, it was like she had never been hugged. She so needed it. And she just cried. And I just held her in my arms and just whispered words that God said. And she cried. And we wrote some of the stuff that we'd said. We wrote that, added it to the piece of the paper. And do you know, she walked out of that store. And as she walked away, we watched her look at the piece of paper and kiss it. Those words that God gave us were gold for her because she didn't get encouragement. She didn't get positivity. She doesn't get that. And she's got dreams. She's got things she's so determined to achieve. And she needed that encouragement. And we were just able to show God's love. We were able to show that people love. People are there to support her and she's not alone. So that's why we do what we do each fortnight at Markets.
awesome. Let's stand together and let's just celebrate the victory that we have through Christ Jesus. That we are overcomers. That we are victorious. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, God.
great. Why don't you give your neighbour a high five and take a seat. Great to see you this morning. We give you a very warm welcome to come together. It's fantastic. Well, we're going to celebrate birthdays and wedding anniversaries. Who's had a birthday over the last week? Any birthdays? Well, wow. you, would you like to come out and join me? We've got some crunchy bars. We'll take a crunchy bar to you. How's that? Any wedding anniversaries? No wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. Great, Sarah. Come, come and stand out here with us. John, could you also take a um, chocolate bar to that guy over there? And Ollie. Wow. How old is he, Caleb? He turned one on Friday. Wow. This is a real celebration because it's been an incredible journey to get to here, hasn't it? So congratulations to you and Beth and great to see you, Ollie. So you guys got your crunchy bars? Okay, well, you guys better get crunchies. That's very good. Well, church, why don't you stand with me as we declare this prayer of blessing over these wonderful people. Let's join together. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessings, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Congratulations, guys. Let's give them a big hand. Well, I'm going to ask Ashley if she can come on stage with maybe one or two and they're going to pray. Let's give them a hand. Don't they do a wonderful job, our leaders? Kids Church and Grace. How you going, buddy? Hi. Do you guys want to pray first? You want to pray first, Annabelle? Say thank you for today. Thank you for today. And we pray that we learn about you. And that we love one another. Amen. Dear, dear God, we just thank you that we can be here today. Thank you that we can celebrate and just learn and live with you all our life and with our second life in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for these incredible kiddies. Thank you for the passion they have for life. Thank you for their love and their joy that they bring. I pray that you'd be with us as we discover truths about Noah and who he was in you. Uh, and I just pray that you'd bless our morning, that you'd be honoured in everything that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ashley. And guys, that was fantastic praying. Well done. Well, you guys, you're going to have an awesome time. So kids, church, noise out that way. Christ, dynamite's out that way. Fantastic. Have a great day. Thank you, Sarah. invite you to stand to your feet again. We have a new song this morning. And the title of the song is Do What You Want To. But we need to be careful to not read this the wrong way, don't we? Yeah. So God, do what you want to. Father God, we surrender to you this morning. We open up our hearts, Father, for you to speak into us, Lord. We set everything aside, God. We surrender. And we say, Lord, have your way. Do what you want to in our life. So we'll start with the chorus, yeah? We surrender. 
Let it lift, let it raise, 
Father, thank you for your name. Thank you for the name of your Son, Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you that, Lord, as we come into your presence, Lord, there is no place like it, Lord. Your word declares you will show us the way of life, granting us the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Father, thank you we can come into this house and experience your presence, heaven on earth, right now in this very moment. Father, as we continue our worship, Father, I pray for your grace to transact with every one of us. The grace of God that empowers us and lifts us to be all that you've called us to be. And this morning, church, if I want to encourage you as we continue to sing this morning. If you know you're in a place where you need a breakthrough, it might be a financial breakthrough, it might be a relationship breakthrough, it might be a breakthrough in healing, you can open the altar, come and stand before the Lord and receive of His grace. We can stand with you and declare the goodness of God upon your life. Prayer changes things. The Word of God changes things. So this altar is open as we sing. Feel free to come and enjoy the presence of God. Thank you, Father.
Open your hearts, however you receive, and allow him to pour a deposit of faith into your world this morning, into your life. Faith is a gift from God. It's not something we earn, it's a gift. Holy Spirit.
thirsty heart, every willing life this morning in Jesus' name. I pray. Some of you are going to know that faith has been poured out from heaven this morning because you've had things that have just been in your head and blocking. But even as you receive from Jesus this morning, they're just shrinking. You can feel the concern. You can feel the dilemma just dissipating. It's not that it's going. It's that faith has come. Faith is more powerful. Faith moves mountains. farmer or a businessman both are the same but if you you know if you businessman businesswoman if you own a business if you're a farmer can you lift your hands I really just hold your hands up before God I really really believe he wants to pour out ingenuity this morning on people Father outside the box pour it out in Jesus name thoughts by faith that see things a different way Father, that with integrity and without cutting any corners, there can be a better way, a new way, a way which receives or produces incredible results in the name of Jesus. Father, where there's confined thinking this morning, I break its power in Jesus' name and I release heaven into people's minds, the thoughts of heaven, the Holy Spirit would touch your mind and would release the walls and the ceilings that contain you this morning in Jesus' name and thoughts from heaven would flow that would bring about answers to the seemingly impossible. Big thoughts, little thoughts, Jesus, with the touch of heaven on them, I pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Some of you guys' thoughts and girls' thoughts are going to come during the rest of our meeting. You know, you probably need to stop taking notes about the sermon or whatever and write down the thoughts that God's showing you so that you don't you don't miss them. You need to you need to you need to take notice this morning of what he's saying to you. There's gonna be some thoughts just drop from heaven and they're gonna be game changers for you. So love to hear about it in the future just because I want to hear what God's doing. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say hello to four and a half people? Greet them, high five them. If you're from the west coast, you're six, six, high six them.
I've been invited to preach in Tasmania in a couple of months' time, and I'm scared if I accidentally say high five to them that it might not work. Sorry if you're Australian, particularly if you're from Tasmania. Well, we're up to chapter three. Woohoo! Yeah. We'll finish, hopefully, before Jesus comes back, of the book of Ephesians. So I invite you to turn there or click there or however you're going to get there this morning. And we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 13. And then I'll zone in on one verse or two verses in particular this morning. You doing okay? Great, great. Fantastic. Here we go. Now I'm reading from the NLT translation just because I like it. Someone did say to me after the first service that they were going from the NIV and it's worded quite differently. That's right, the sentiment's the same. And um, don't worry if the exact words are not quite the same. The sentiment's the same. You go back to the Greek, they're all pretty good these days. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed this mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his Spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. <coughs> Excuse me. Both Gentiles and Jews, Gentiles being anyone who's not a Jew, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the, right, in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promises of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its riches, in its rich variety, to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. Father, I pray this morning that uh, your intention from your word would be accomplished. Holy Spirit, that you and we know you empower your word to accomplish those things you've foreseen that need to be accomplished. And as I speak this morning, I do so by faith that you will accomplish everything that's on your agenda. So, Lord, I ask for every person to have open mind, open heart, and that those things that you want to plant, those things that you want to highlight, will be planted, will be highlighted for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you go back to the start of chapter 3 there, when I think of all of this, all of this means everything in book of Ephesians up to this point. So if you haven't been part of the journey so far, you probably need to go and read chapter 1, chapter 2, and uh, just you'll, you'll get where we're up to. I love it down in verse 6, and this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises, the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ. Whether you are Jew or Gentile this morning, if you believe in Christ, the promises all apply. That's pretty cool. You're reading a promise in the scripture and you go, oh, that's for the Jews. or No, no, no that's for all of us who believe because we have now been grafted in. We are now one family before God because of what Christ did. All the promises apply to you. All the promises apply to me. That's pretty exciting. I like that. Then we go down to verse 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. The endless treasures of heaven are relationship with God. That's what the endless treasures are. I know when I say endless treasures, our minds go straight to diamonds probably if you're a lady, cars if you're a man maybe, or houses or something, I don't know. They go, they go to things of this world. But the endless treasures of heaven is relationship with God. Endless. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm appreciating as I get older is that relationships become more and more valuable when you actually see things of the world for what they are. They do rust. Funny that the Bible says that. They rust, they fall apart, they are of no lasting use. But, use, but relationships are more, become more and more important. The things of this world don't quite grab the eye the same they used to. Maybe that's because we're growing in God. I don't know. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mystery, sorry, this mysterious plan that God the Creator had kept. God has always had a plan. I find that really reassuring. You know, he didn't wake up this morning, because he didn't wake up this morning. Anyway, but he didn't wake up this morning and go, well, what shall we do with him today? I wonder, New Zealand, what could we do in New Zealand today? Scratch his head and come up with some quick, no, he's always had a plan. We don't get the plan often, but he's always had a plan that he's working. We are part of that plan. You and I are incredibly privileged to be part of the plan of God that he's working out, and we live in this time and this place. It's an, an amazing, a mysterious plan of God, but he's always had it. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And this is his plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. I love that. That is very encouraging. So I want to focus in on Ephesians 3, verse 7 and 8. And it reads like this. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the disadvantage of serving him by spreading this good news. Yes? No. Let me try. You don't see that. What version are you using? Let me try again. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the handicap of serving him. No? No? 
try again. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the hindrance of serving him. No? I'll keep trying. By God's mighty grace and power, I've been given the misfortune of serving him. Did you say oi? (laughs) By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the restriction of serving. No, no, no. How about this? By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him. Some of your Bibles won't word it quite like that, but you go to the intent of the verse, they're all saying that. I have been given the privilege of serving him. Privilege means a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. This morning, it is a privilege to serve God. Don't sound convinced. It is a privilege to serve God. It is an incredible privilege to serve God this morning or any other morning. It is a privilege to serve God. When I was 15 years old, I got my driver's license. I remember being terrified. They always said they were going to put the age up. And I always thought, are they going to do it before I get there? Am I going to have to wait that extra year or two? No, I didn't. I got my license when I was 15. This is particularly special to me right now because my oldest son is, is uh, going solo now in the car. And um, I love it. It's fantastic. It's fantastic for him and it's fantastic for me. He said to me the other day, he said, Dad, is it still strange when I drive off in the car by myself? I said, no, it's fantastic because it means I'm not driving off. <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, I can remember when I was 15, I went and got my driver's license, and that was a pretty cool feeling. And then, uh, that must have been late in the week, because I remember, I think it was, a, it was Saturday morning, which was only one or two days after that, I remember mum and dad must have been having a bit of a lie, and I remember them calling me up to their room where I went, and they said something like, can you just pop down to the shop and buy a paper and some milk? take the car. And I got to drive the family. I got to take the van. I got to take the van. Because the idea was the van was safer, you see. But I tell you, that van still did things no van should ever do. I can only stand that, say that now because a few years have passed. Because mum and dad are listening right now. You know, it wasn't that much later I bought my own car. I got my first car. I'm not sure if it was my first car or one after that, but I remember, I don't know how it came about. We kind of have this tradition. You get a car and you'll go for a drive in it. You know, Dad goes for a drive and, and you go around the block. And I remember Dad killing this thing up the road, screaming it. I'm, I'm waiting for it to fall apart because, you know, you buy first cars these days, they're okay. Back in my day, you buy a first car and it was a piece of rubbish. Anyway... I remember screaming up the road in it, and I remember he just looked at me calmly and went, revenge. (laughs) I loved it. But I can still remember that feeling of taking the car down to the dairy to get the paper and the milk and the incredible sense of privilege. I was driving myself. The incredible sense of privilege I had is I went there. But how many of you know that that sense of privilege changes very, very quickly to a right 
doesn't it? You know, driving down the road now. How dare you go 40k in front of me on a 50k road? It's my right to ride. It's a target. Yes, it is. You know those stupid signs? It's not a target. Well, what the heck is it? Why do they put it there if it's not a target? It's a target. It says 50k, go 50k, for goodness sake. On the open road, going 80k on 100, for goodness sake. Get off the road. It is my right to drive at 100. Oh, how it changes. From being a privilege to a right. From being a privilege to an entitlement. And I think this is something that we really struggle with as people. Yet Paul says, oh, what an incredible privilege it is to serve God. I remember one of my first jobs after school was at a butchery. And it was amazing. Alan Hall, um, one of our elders, we were traveling to Tokoroa the other night together, and he said he knows this guy, Keith, who used to be a butcher in Hillcrest. And I discovered very quickly it was where I used to work after school. I used to clean the machines, clean the sausage machine and the mince machine and scrape the paint off the windows and all those kind of things. I probably got a whole five bucks a week for doing it. I can't remember. But I remember I was as green as green as green. But what a great privilege it was to be able to go to work and get some money. That was pretty cool. I was extremely green. I remember, actually, this guy, Keith, Alan went, saw him during the week and said, um, you know, we joined all the dots. And then Keith emails me during the week. I haven't since I was 13, 14, and just says hello and making sure we're all the right people in the right places. It was all cool. Anyway, he, um, I remember his, I think Keith was probably the warmer, nicer guy. His other guy was just mischief. And um, one day I was working after school there, and I remember they said to me, yeah, try these things. They're all the rage in all the bars around town. Everyone's eating them. You'll love them. And I was suspicious, but I remember they talked me into it. And I took a bite and um, like I said, I was green as green. I took a bite, and this thing started to burn. It was a Tabasco pepper. <laughs> but they were very, very generous. They had set me up. Actually, I decided after, I, I'm looking back, and I'm going, I didn't realize you need to have a degree in drama to be a butcher, but it appears you do, because they were very, very concerned for me. But they offered me chocolate to get the taste out of my mouth. That was nice of them, eh? Chocolate, just eat heaps of it. You'll be fine. Yeah, laxative chocolate. But I can still remember the privilege of being able to go and earn a few bucks after school. I'm not too scarred from that. How many of you started working and it was a great sense of privilege to work for someone or to own your own business and to turn up and to work and somehow that's turned into a right? You know, now you think the, 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 the firm are blessed to have you where actually it was an incredible privilege to work with them not so long ago. How it changes, how it shifts for us as we go through life. What was an incredible privilege becomes a right or our entitlement. I've got an orange chair at home. I like my orange chair. I think Jan thought it was a good idea until she's discovered that when I'm in my orange chair, I'm not sitting on the couch beside her anymore but I like my orange chair. It's my chair. But every now and then, my sons will perch in it. My expectation is when I come in and they're in my orange chair, they will jump out and go, Father, <laughs> take a seat. But it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes they just look at me like, 
I say, can I sit in my chair? And I go, nah. <laughs> I've got to be good with words these days because I haven't got a show of moving them physically. So it's not their right, it's their privilege to sit in my chair. And as long as it remains their privilege, it's okay. But when it's their right, they cross the line. They cross the line. I wonder how many of us started dating if you're married. And this incredible privilege dawns on you, say you get married. This incredible privilege, it just dawns on you that I am so privileged that this person is giving me their life for this one life. And I get to walk with them in this one life. What an incredible privilege that is. To only a few years down the track, suddenly it's a right. And you expect this and you expect that, and it's a right. Well, I married you, it's a right. Where's my, where's my dinner? You know, you vacuumed the house? You know, where's the car? Why haven't you bought that new car? You know, when I married you, you promised me a new car every 18 months. Why haven't I got the new car? I don't know what it is. But it suddenly goes from being this incredible privilege, we shift, and we can shift very, very easily to this place of it being my entitlement, my right. I think New Zealand struggles with entitlement, with right, incredibly. You know, we live in this beautiful country. We are so, so privileged. Out of all the countries in the world, you look at the stats, we're in something like the top 10% anyway, aren't we? For wealth for a nice place to live, for great environment and everything else. Such a privilege, yet so easily it can turn into a right. Well, this is mine, that's mine, I deserve this, I deserve that. And we lose that whole sense of privilege. Paul battled that, and he declared, and he said, I've won that, it is my privilege to serve Christ. It is my privilege. He said it like this in the NLT version, New Living Translation. He said, I've been given the privilege of serving. In the NIV, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by an incredible gift. Actually, I added the word incredible. Grift, gift. The message says, it come, it came. I've handwritten my notes. It's a real challenge to read them, believe me. It came as a sheer gift to me. Real surprise. The voice says, I became a servant by the gift of God's amazing grace. This great sense there of privileges coming through. I didn't earn any of this. I didn't have any right to it, but God has given me the right. It came to me by gift, by grace, undeserved favor, by his power. I love what the author Breen Brown says. She, and they say, what separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. What separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. Alan Lightman, author of Reunion, wrote this. Human beings consider themselves satisfied only compared to some other condition. A man who has owned nothing but a bicycle all of his life feels suddenly wealthy the moment he buys an automobile. But this happy sensation wears off. After a while... The car becomes just another thing that he owns. Moreover, when his neighbor 
next door buys two cars, in an instant our man feels wretchedly poor and deprived. I think that privilege is subjective. I think it can be subjective. Well, I'm not privileged because they've got more. I'm not privileged because this was difficult. I'm not privileged because this didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I'm not privileged because this cost me. Very subjective. Privilege doesn't mean that things just come our way. That's not what privilege means. It doesn't mean that things just come our way. Privilege doesn't mean ease. It doesn't mean ease. Privilege doesn't mean safe. It just doesn't. Privilege is costly. In fact, privilege can be exceptionally costly. I've heard it said that the safest place to be is in serving Jesus and his perfect will. But that's not true. Because the privilege of being in that place can be incredibly costly. It might be the best place to be, but it's not the safest place to be. But it is a place of great privilege. But it's not necessarily safe. It has privilege always, or the privilege of serving God always has a price. And I think we would do well never to forget this. It always has a price. I was just talking to Pastor Rex me and at the break, and um, he was saying there was a book years ago, and it talks about cheap grace and expensive and costly grace. Privilege of walking in grace is costly. It costs Jesus and God incredibly, and it costs us too. But this whole thing of being privileged doesn't mean easy. It doesn't mean there's no cost. It does. You think of Joseph in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Joseph had a crazy life. You know, he was. He was a kid who had a few dreams, ended up being thrown into an empty well, sold as a slave, ended up as a servant, falsely accused, ended up in jail for years and years and years, finally ends up in this credible place, and we would go, well, that's, he ended up in this incredible place of privilege. Well, maybe that's right, but maybe his whole life was one of privilege, relating with God, and in relationship with God. And I bet if you said to him when he was in jail, do you feel like you're privileged? I don't think he would have said yes. I think he had the most incredible attitude. But I don't think he would have said yes. You know, I've been down here for years. It's dirty, it's wet, it's stinky, it's everything else. It's not privileged. Yet we would look at him and say he was in a place. What an incredible journey he was on. Incredibly costly journey he was on. What about David? Hunted by Saul. Yet he was God's called one. Was he in God's will? Oh, absolutely. Was he safe? No. Well, he probably was, actually. God had a bigger plan. But I bet he didn't feel safe. It's incredible. We look at him and go, wow, privilege. What a crazy journey. What about Jesus? How more in the perfect will of God can you be than Jesus? What did they do with him? Beat him up crucified him, killed him on a cross. That is not safe. And then I start to go through the apostles, disciples. John, beheaded. 
Peter. The evidence we have would say that he was crucified upside down. James, killed by Herod Agrippa. Jude, martyred. And then Paul, who wrote the the scripture that we're reading, evidence would say that he is uh, most likely beheaded by Nero. But let's not even just worry about that, but what about the shipwrecks, the stonings, the hardships that he suffered, the beatings along the way, and yet he writes a scripture and he says, I am so privileged to be chosen by God to spread the good news. I wonder what your definition of privileged is. I wonder if you feel that you're in a privileged position today. C.S. Lewis wrote, um, and he said of Aslan the lion, uh, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, he said, he's not safe, but he is good. Of course, he's referring to Christ. He's not safe, but he is good. Being in the perfect will of God is a place of privilege. It's not a safe place, but it's the best place for you to be. It is an immense privilege to serve God. It's an immense privilege to serve God. I wonder if you felt that when you came in this morning. Wow, I'm coming to worship God. I'm coming to serve God. I'm coming to give my best to God. It's an immense privilege. And yet, it will cost you everything. It will cost me everything. That's what baptism's about, isn't it? I die to self. I come up anew in Christ. But I die to self. In theory, I just cost me it just cost me everything. And I come up in this incredibly privileged position in my relationship, standing and walk with God. But it costs everything. Privilege involves sacrifice. So let me ask you some questions because I always like asking questions. Are you living a life as a disciple? And if you are, what does that look like? You have to just answer yes or no, or maybe inside. Answer internally. Are you living the life of a disciple, and what does that look like? Maybe we could measure that a few ways. Have you been baptized? Matthew 28, go into all the world, baptize them. Have you been baptized this morning? That's a bit costly. Well, I don't want to be baptized. Well, that's okay. Why should I be baptized? Because Jesus said, and he did it. That's good enough. Uh, But, well, you know, it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. He said, be baptized, so be baptized. If you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. I was baptized when I was a baby. That's okay. Good on you. Now get baptized as an adult. Make the decision to follow Jesus for yourself now. Do what he said and be baptized. That's fine. Do that. Well, I'm being baptized. That's fine. You're not talking to me. Sweet. Great. What about giving, tithes and offerings? Now I'm talking to a lot of people because I know that if everyone here tithed, our, our giving would be over double what it is. So I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I'm just talking. I can't afford to do that. Who said it was ever to do anything to do with affording it? Jesus, uh, God said in Malachi, bring your tithe into the storehouse. In fact, it's the only thing he ever says we're allowed to test him on. He says, you bring it in and you watch if I don't open the the doors and lock heaven on your world. In 2 Corinthians, it says, be generous on every occasion. Oh, I don't like that. That's costing. Yeah, it's costing dollars now. That that hurts Kiwis. 
But what it is, isn't it? What owns you? Does your, your, it's not even your money. You're only stewarding it. You came naked, you'll leave naked. Um, I could have painted a better picture than that, but it just came quickly. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it's going to cost us. Yeah, it's going to cost us. But I am honouring God with my finance. I honour God with my finance. When I honour God with my finance, I believe that he is going to release the blessing of heaven on my household or my sphere of influence. That's what I believe. I, I, I hold on to the promises of Israel. Their sandals won't wear out. Their clothes wouldn't wear out. The food kept coming. So my washing machine's not going to break. My fridge is going to keep going. The tires are going to go for longer on the car. The car's not going to break down. It's translated into today's world. But I don't give for that reason. I give because Jesus said give. And I want to say, okay, I'm giving to you, I'm tithing to you because I am saying that the money you've given me, the, the, um, the things you've given to me to steward don't own me. I'm yours. Okay, so I've been baptized and I tithe good on you. Well, how do you serve in the body of Christ? What do you mean serve? Well, how do you serve in the body of Christ? Corinthians tells us we're all a family. We're all many different parts. We come together to do what God wants us to do. God's dream is that the churches, the church and the churches around our city are going to be these lights of be- and beacons of hope that when people look in, they go, my goodness, I'd give anything to be part of that. I'd give anything to be able to live my life with that, that great sense of belonging and being part of. So we give our time, our treasure and our talent in the church and external. Oh, but oh, I'd have to be there early. Well, that's okay. It's true. We come and we love to worship Jesus and we don't give a thought to what time the musos were here. You know, they were pulling in just after half past seven this morning, getting ready for us. We go, awesome. Serving, giving of themselves. It's a cost. There's a cost. There's always a cost. Oh, well, I do all those things. Okay, then we'll sow into mission. What about global mission? Beyond the walls, where you can't actually see and tangibly get your hands on the results of what our sowing's going into. I could keep going. But here's one, because I know most of you think they're all doing all of that. So how's this? Being a disciple of Christ, part of the cost of it is we actively build a relationship with God. Matthew 22, love the Lord your heart, uh, God, with all your heart, soul, body. Oh, you've got no idea how early I've got to get up in the morning. And now you're asking me to pray? Well, don't pray in the morning, pray another time. Oh, the Bible, it's boring. We'll get a different translation. Oh, there's always excuses. It takes effort and it comes at a cost to get to know Jesus. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. Hard if we haven't got a relationship with him. We don't know what it is to pray. If we don't know what it is to read and find ourselves in the word, if we don't know what it is to worship, once on a Sunday doesn't cut it. See, all of these things are responses to privilege. You're really quiet now. 
They're all responses to privilege. And laying down the law? No, I'm not laying down the law. They're responses to privilege. They come out of a heart of overflow, come out of gratitude. The difference between is gratitude. But then maybe you're saying there's no way. It's my right not to do any of that. And guess what? You're right. You're exactly right. You don't have to do any of it. None of it whatsoever. You don't have to respond to the position of privilege that we find ourselves in as disciples of Christ. You don't, ha- you don't have to do a thing. You're absolutely right, absolutely correct. But I would say that you're now living in the place of entitlement, not in the place of privilege. But that's okay. Just need you to understand that entitlement and right are rooted in pride. And 1 Peter 5, 5 and Proverbs 3, I think it is, says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Which means now, not are you only, not only living in a place of privilege, you are actually living in a place where you have chosen to remove yourself from God's perfect will, So you don't have to worry about whether you're safe or not anymore because God is actually resisting you. And that's bad. But as a friend of mine says, that's all just a thought. Serving Christ on any day and in any capacity is always a privilege. The beauty of the simplicity of this message is I know I'm talking to every single one of us because how easily we go from privilege to right, from privilege to entitlement. Any day, in any capacity, is always a privilege. Obeying his call is always a privilege. Knowing him is always a privilege. Being able to respond to him and journey with him is always a privilege. Today is a privilege. Today is a privilege. We are here. We have breath in our lungs. We know the creator of the universe. Today is an incredible privilege. Just don't fool yourself into thinking it's free. Grace is free. But the outworking of grace, it'll cost us everything. I wonder if the band could come back. It would be great. Thanks. One of the greatest privileges is that we're designed to walk with God. You are designed to walk with God. That is an incredible privilege. How has that happened? You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You invite him into your world. He's done absolutely everything, paid the price that needed to be paid. He hung on a cross. Why did he hang on a cross? Because a sacrifice was required so that you and I could now go, Jesus, I want to be in relationship with you, and that could happen without any walls in the way. Jesus paid all the price. You and I now get to choose whether we want to journey with him or not. That choice is a great privilege. It's an incredible privilege. Choosing him 
is a great privilege, and it will cost you, but you're worth it. That's why he went to the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except by me. He also said, if you confess me before God and man, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by grace, by his grace, when you believed. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you never started journeying with him, or you have journeyed with him and for whatever reason you've taken a step back and today you're going, you know, I need to step back into that place of relationship. Can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you're saying, yeah, I want to step into that place of relationship. I want to step into that for the first time or I want to come back into that place of relationship with Jesus. greatest privilege any human being will ever have is journeying in life in relationship with our Creator. And as I said, it will cost you. Because things change when you walk with Jesus. Priorities change when you walk with Jesus. But knowing Him is the greatest privilege any one of us will ever have. This morning you might be saying, I want to get to know this Jesus for the very first time, or you may, as I said, you may have stepped back for whatever reason, and today you're saying, you know, I want to step up into relationship again. I need to step forward. If you're in either of those camps, I'm going to invite you just a moment to invite Jesus into your world, to step up, Say, Jesus, walk with me, or I want to walk with you. And I'm going to ask you to lift your hand just so I can see you to signify what you're doing because it's so important. It's something that you just cannot keep to yourself. And we'll celebrate. This morning, if that's you, for the first time, or you're saying, Jesus, today I step into that place again, sorry I stepped away but today I stepped forward again if that's you can you lift your hand while every head is bowed just make sure I see your hand it would be great out to me this morning. Four, five. Is there anyone else this morning? 
Can we give these people a big cheer? The Bible says that when one person gets their life right with Christ, the angels celebrate, all heaven breaks into a party. Can we pray together and would you like to follow me? Jesus, I thank you that you give me the ability to choose you today. I thank you that you died on a cross paid the price for all of my mistakes and wrongdoing and you opened the doorway for relationship today I receive that relationship my desire is to walk with you as a son, as a daughter of God I thank you for this opportunity thank you that today I am a disciple of Christ. Help me walk with you every day of my life. Amen. Amen. Can we give these people another great hand? For everyone else, there's two things I want us to do as we finish. And feel free to stay standing or sit, whatever you want. I won't be long. The first is this morning, I would like to encourage us all to surrender afresh to Jesus. And I think in that surrender, as we surrender to him, we step back into that place of privilege and go, wow. Sometimes it's the only word that works. Wow. What an incredible place of privilege it is to live in the place of surrender to Jesus. Some of us need to do that again today. Other, but others of us, probably all of us, the truth be known. I'm inviting us to find places in our lives that have gone and shifted from privilege to entitlement. And to repent, which means to turn and walk a different way. And say, Lord, I realize that place that was privilege, I now view as entitlement I'm going to turn, I'm going to walk a different way with your help and take some time before God to do that the illustration earlier on about marriage, going from that great credible place of privilege to that place of entitlement and that place of right I believe that was prophetic for someone this morning I didn't talk about that in the last meeting, I felt it was prophetic for at least one couple this meeting this morning and can I encourage you if that's you to take a step back and thank God for your spouse and step back into that place of privilege again and remember that your husband that your wife is a prince is a princess along with the king of kings and that actually when they said I do they gave you an We only get one life here. We only get to do this once. And the incredible.
incredible gift for those who are married that is given to you when your spouse says, yes, I want to do that journey with you is not one that we can ever take for granted. I really believe that this morning God wants to put his finger on married couples and say, come on, let's step back into that place of privilege. Let go of rights. Let go of entitlement. Be incredibly grateful for the person that you're journeying with. Amen. And fantastic. Thank you so much. Wonderful word. We're going to sing uh, to conclude our service this morning. As you go, can I encourage you, if you're a visitor, first or second time on the right-hand side, there is a white pack. We'd love you to take that. There's a free coffee card and other details in there. Also, as you leave, give purposely at the giving station. If you don't have an automatic payment set up, take one of these cards, these green cards. There are the details on there on how that can be done. We'd love to partner with you in that. And if you have a prayer need, Feel free to come to the front at the end of the service. We'd love to pray with you. You also can fill in one of these small green cards in your front pocket seat. Pop it into the letterbox on the red letterbox as you leave the auditorium and we'll wish your partner with you in prayer. Have a great rest of the day. Come out tonight. Pastor Sheridan is speaking again. We're going to have a fantastic time. God bless. Love to see you tonight. Have an awesome week. Thank you, Sarah. Let's sing.